And speaking of women stepping up, our guest, Kimberly Fletcher, is on the line with us. And Kimberly, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. You're right. The women need to step up. Well, and they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, well, as God would have it, the man and the woman would, they would not be unequally yoked. And they would, they would both be stepping up. And the man would come under the leadership of God and be the leader of his family. And he and his wife would lead their children and they would do this together. That's exactly the way it is supposed to be. And unfortunately, the feminists have kind of messed that up and they have demoralized and demonized our men to the point where they're afraid to step up and take that role. And we as the majority, silent majority of women in America are saying, no, we want strong men. We want to be provided and protected. So provided for and protected. So step up. We got your back and we are standing up with that message. Yeah. Yeah. Well, God bless you for saying that because I mean, the, the ugliness and, and how these neoliberal, and they're not, I don't call them liberals because they really are not liberal. The root word of liberal is liberty. And That's right. God's holy word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is where you find liberty. And there's no spirit of the Lord in these people. They, they, take, they take the righteous yearnings of women from decades ago, and they jump out in front of the uh, parade, and now they're using it as a club. And men who just want to please women— so they sometimes don't understand what to do. It's like, well, what do you want me to do? I mean, it's basically, you know, they want to neuter the men. Am I overstating it? No, you're not. I mean, we had a sitting senator who stood up and said, men need to sit down and shut up. And I'm like, no, men need to stand up and come back because yes. we have too many homes without fathers and without husbands. And that's really been ripping in our culture. I, I remember that, and this has just brought this up to me with the whole border issue and the, this caravan of men coming. I see all these men coming. I remember several years ago, back in 2007, I stood on the border with a woman from the other side, a mother of four children, mm-hmm. who just looked at me and she she said, we want our men back as if I've stolen them from her. But these yeah. men, they leave the country, they come up here, and sometimes they send money back and for a while, and then they just abandon the family that they left, and they start a new family here. And that mother who's left there, she then has to provide for those children, mm-hmm. and then the children are left at home in, in communities where cartels are running amok, and either those kids join the cartels or they're brutalized by them. And mm-hmm. these are what these mothers are dealing with. And right. when I look at, at inner cities or, or you know, any of these, these areas where you have the fathers that have just largely, they aren't there. And you know what? Feminism did this. Feminism yes. did this when they said, you can, this whole free sex, free love thing, why would a man want to commit when he doesn't have to to get what he wants? Right. We did that. Yeah, Women the, did that. We yeah, why buy the power away. Why that old thing of uh, why buy the cow if you can get the milk for free? And you know, you know, Kimberly, it used to be a time when people taught their daughters this, you know, and and they they taught their daughters that, you know, uh, uh, an aspirin prevents pregnancy. And, you know, now many people, (laughs) you remember that? Yeah. 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 Sit in a chair, hold the aspirin between your knees until the man leaves, guaranteed not to get pregnant. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And they don't, they don't teach this anymore. You know, no romance, no finance, no romance. You know, and so women have sort of given up the power that God gave them in search of a power 
that God gave to men. It's like the dog. I mean, a lot of these childhood tales have have powerful implications. The dog with the bone who saw his reflection and he let his bone go and went after a mirage of a bone because it looked bigger in the water. Right. Yeah. Right. And, but this is exactly what we're doing. I, it, when I see here and see the things that they're teaching our children and promoting in our schools and in society, it just it, it, it aches inside me to see that we're telling our, our daughters that they're always going to be perpetual victims. They will never be equal to men. We're telling them that they're not going to succeed from the time they're born. That, that is absurd. What we need to be telling them is you have the power. You have so much power that you can lift a man or you can cry him. And you need to wield that power very carefully. We have the power mm-hmm. to say yes. We have the power to say no. We have all the power. Women always have. What the feminists yes. have done is stripped of us of our power and allowed men to, to be the, the, the worst that they are instead of lifting them to be the best that they can be. You know, that is so true. And, uh, and as a matter of fact, on that note of, um, being the worst, Saul Alinsky wrote a book, Rules for Radicals, 13 rules for, you know, what he, he called the first radical was Lucifer. Okay. So he's basically giving instructions to little demons, uh, how to be a demon. And so one of his rules is about in the political realm that there is just so much sexual temptation that you might as well not fight it because it's, it, you know, they embrace that. And so right. they embrace this for themselves personally. And it seems they have unleashed this as a spirit upon the nation that has been going for like 40, 40 or 50 years now. It, well, it's, it's interesting that you say 40 or 50 years because I can pinpoint the actual year. It was the year that I was born, 1966 in the spring, when a group of women sat around a table and wrote on a napkin the National Organization for Women and, and launched it. And since then, we've had Glesson and Narrell and all these other organizations that have come up that have been tr- convincing women that a, a right to her own body is a right to kill her own children. And people are buying into this and they're believing it. We've also been telling... We've been promoting this idea that kids are going to do it anyway, so let's give them the safety and protection they need to be able to do it. Nobody's telling them not everybody is doing it. Right. And you know what? They get excited when you can go in a room and you can empower them and say, no, not everyone is doing it, mm-hmm. and you don't have to. It's like this this new idea. We we as adults are communicating bad messages and confusing messages to our to our youth. who are going to be our future generations, and we as women are sending messages to our men that are counterproductive to our own value, our own power, and our own existence. And these are the kinds of things that that the vast majority of of mothers in this country are now standing up and realizing we can turn this around in one generation. We are the keepers of the culture. If we don't like what's going on, we have the power to turn it around. And they're realizing that. And with the Moms March movement, we're standing up and we're doing it. Yeah, yeah. So now we have a, uh, I've been talking about the red pill and the blue pill. You remember the movie The Matrix, right? Yes. Okay, so now we have a red American, a blue America, and you know, I know we have people that say, oh, there's one America, but, you know, you've no, always, <laughs> you're right, you've always had two basic ideologies of government. One says your freedom and your rights come from God, and the other one says your freedom is whatever we say it is because we're in power. 
That's and, right. And there's always a tension between the two. And so here we are, if, you know, every four generations, these two sides flare up. The Revolutionary War, four generations later, the Civil War. Four generations later, World War II, the Great Depression. And we're right now, we're four generations after the, the worldwide battle. And, and, and we're having this battle again. So your organization, what would you say, you know, there are many people whose minds are made up. OK, right, but right. For, for, say for, you know, some young man, young woman, they've been taught this stuff all, all throughout a middle school, high school and college. OK. And, you know, maybe they're a first time voter or they're voting for the second or third time. And they're, you know, the you know, they, they are millennials, basically. Mm-hmm. What do you or even, you know, older people that are just starting to wake up? Many people are older and they just they just took the blue pill when Donald Trump got it. I mean, I'm sorry. Did I say blue pill? Yeah, you did. <laughs> they, they just, no, they've been blue pilled. They just took the red pill two years ago when Donald Trump got elected. And, right. and, and, but the Democrats love to tout the gender gap, okay, as though somehow the natural constituency of the Democrat Party, part of that is women. What? What do you say to that? First speak to young women and then speak to young men. You know, not to tell people how to vote, but to tell people what to look for issue-wise. Because if they do that, then they naturally would vote their interests, which I would think would be Republican. Yes. Well, the first thing we need to talk about is culture, because the culture is what drives the vote, not vice versa. And what I would tell the young women is... You have been lied to. (laughs) And this idea that you cannot succeed and that you're a perpetual victim is a lie. And and I want to give them their empowerment back. And then what I would tell the young men is I understand what what is coming against you. You try to open a door for a woman or give a seat to a woman and she, you know, acts offended. Well, this is what I tell my sons until they realize their value continue to treat them as the princesses and queens they are until they realize that that's really who they are and they Mm -hmm. have the power. When we can change the culture, we'll change the vote. But as far as the vote goes itself, the reason why, and people, you know, who've done the research know this, that by far and large, a large number, something like eight to nine, eight to nine percent of the voters in every election are more women, nine nine to 10% more women than men. And most of those women are are young, unmarried women, don't have children, and they have been fed the blue pill to believe that they, they need to fight for their rights, fight for equality, and all these other kind of things. We already won that war. We should be celebrating it. Instead, now and other organizations are perpetuating it so that they can stay in power. But the, what's happening now is women who live in the suburban communities, God-loving conservative women, by large, vast numbers, not only are not are don't vote but aren't even registered to vote i have been blown away by the sheer number and so what we have been doing is we have been helping these mothers understand your voice 
is your vote. You don't have to march on Washington to get what you want done. You don't have to show up in mass at a school board meeting to protest the open sex trend, gender bath. They're, they're calling transgender bathrooms, which are open sex co-ed bathrooms in their elementary school. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do any of those things. You can vote all of these people out. You can change the culture by teaching these principles and values in your home and then march into the polls to vote those values with your vote. That is what's happening right now. Mothers who have not, and because the three things they tell me are, I don't do politics, politics don't affect me, and my husband votes. I hear it over and over and over again. Uh, What we're telling them is don't relegate your family's future to one vote. You, we need we need every who and whoville to save the republic, and and we help them understand that voting isn't about politics. Politics is what happens when we don't go and vote our values, mm-hmm. and obviously politics affect us when we're dealing with open sex, co-ed bathrooms, comprehensive sex education, common core, all of these things flooding our schools and our children's lives. That affects us, mm-hmm. and our voice is our vote. That's the message we're sending, and I'm telling you, I have seen. These mothers who have not been registered to vote, registering and going to the polls and voting early, it's happening. Good. And I think this, there's, they keep talking about a red wave or a blue wave. There's a mama bear wave coming. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, tell folks how they can get a, can partner with you. How can they find you and, uh, and maybe replicate what you're doing in local communities around the country? Absolutely. So they can come to mumsmarchusa.com. It has uh, our information on mum vote. Um, it has that we have a national gathering of mothers that's coming up in March in San Antonio. It's going to be live streamed across the country. All of those things they can find at mumsmarchusa.com. Mom'smarchusa.com. You got that, folks? And we'll put this up on our website also. And thank you so much. And uh, God bless you. Thank you, sir. And I appreciate everything that you do to secure and preserve the republic. Amen. Hey, I'm just I'm just running my leg of the race. Someone else gave me the baton, and I'm determined to hand it off. Okay. So, yeah. I'm with you. All right. Thank you so much. God bless. All right. Oh, Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye.